Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a radio program provided by Living Stream Ministry. Today's program will be from the Gospel of Luke. In Luke 4, 18-19, the Lord Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He has anointed me to announce the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to send away in release those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of Jubilee. On today's Life Study from Luke, we'll talk with you about that gospel, or good news, that the Lord came to proclaim. So let's join Chris Wilde with today's program from the Life Study of Luke. The Gospel of Luke reveals the jubilee prophesied in the Old Testament, the release of the oppressed from their bondage and captivity, and the return of God's people to their rightful portion of the enjoyment of God. Yet even as he proclaimed this jubilee to his disciples and began to apply it to the oppressed people, it was clear that they themselves were far from it in their own experience. Likely, we also may rejoice at the hearing of such a word, but are we living in its reality? Well, take heart, for just as the Lord was patient and faithful with the disciples to lead them step by step into the Jubilee, He is doing the same with us. Francis Ball has joined us again for more fellowship from the life study of the Gospel of Luke, and it's a new book to us these days, Francis, isn't it? I'm just going to say that this book gets richer and richer as we go. There brings out some things that show our need of much more experience of Christ than we thought when we first touched it. We have seen now for, oh, the past several programs, a, a parallel, I guess, between the matter of the Jubilee as being a key to understanding and really getting into the uh, actual heart of the Gospel of Luke, as we saw that the kingdom was such a matter in the uh, Gospel of Matthew. Today's program, we're going to see actually both of these items touched uh, a time or two. But we come to the account in chapter 9, where the Lord was taking some of the disciples, Francis, to the mountain And before their eyes, something marvelous was accomplished there. Let me read this uh, beginning at verse 27. But I say to you truly, there are some of those standing here who shall by no means taste death until they see the kingdom of God. And about eight days after these words, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up into the mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the appearance of his face became different and his garment dazzling white. Francis, when this same event is told of in Matthew, the word transfiguration is used there. And in Mark, sometimes it's translated as transformation, sometimes transfiguration. But generally, Francis, what is referred to when this word is used? Generally, what's referred to in the use of the word transformation or transfiguration, which incidentally is the same word in the Greek, as you pointed out, This means a further experience other than our regeneration. Uh, To be regenerated means that our spirit is made alive. Mm -hmm. When we called on the name of the Lord, God's spirit came into us and regenerated our spirit. And that's the beginning of our Christian life. We still many, many times have not gone farther to experience a further experience transformation and transfiguration, which is to bring us into the real jubilee, the freedom from all the bondage and all the the disappointments to bring us into the rich enjoyment of the triune God. These three words are quite often used to describe our whole Christian experience, 
Regeneration is our new birth. Right. Transformation is the work that the Spirit from within us is doing in our soul. And then transfiguration is even the transfiguration of our body. And in this particular portion, this is what's indicated here because of the change in the face of the Lord Jesus. You see that something has happened to bring him into a, at least a, a miniature of a full transfiguration that really comes out in resurrection. This word, as you mentioned, in Greek uh, carries with it far, far more than just an outward change, not just a change of behavior. It's really an organic word. It's a metabolic word. It has even links to biology in its root and its connection. So we're talking about an inward change or transformation in life, aren't we? That's right. It's not just a trying to be better, but it's something organically happening within us by this divine life that we received at Regeneration. We're going to see, Francis, that even the Lord being transfigured, as uh, we read the account of here in chapter 9, is related to this greater topic, the Jubilee, that we're seeing is really the key, the cornerstone to the entire Gospel of Luke. Why don't we join Witness Lee for this first portion? If you read the text, uh, it is not so easy to see that even this portion of the word is related to the Jubilee. At this juncture... The Lord Jesus needed to go to the mount to have himself transfigured. The Greek word for transfiguration and for transformation in the epistles are the same word. You know, Second Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18 says, We are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. And the word transform there is the same word as used in Matthew and Mark for the Lord's transfiguration. And the same word is also used in Romans 12 too. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. Not only we need the transfiguration or transformation. Even the man's savior, while he was in the flesh, he also need the transformation, the transfiguration, because he took the flesh of the fallen man. Of course, he only took the likeness of the flesh of sin. In the New Testament age, it is the jubilee. Yet, it is the jubilee not in full application. The Savior was transfigured on the mount in a small scale. But when he was resurrected from the dead, he was fully transfigurated. And he remains in this transfiguration today. And when he comes back, we all will be transfigured. As Philippians 3.21 tells us. Francis, he referred here to Philippians 3, talking about when he comes, we will be, at that point, fully transfigured. That verse in verse 21 says, Who will transfigure the body of our humiliation to be conformed to the body of his glory 
according to his operation by which he is able even to subject all things to himself. It's really part of the promise of our salvation, isn't it? This oh, transfiguration in the future. It is marvelous to realize that this is going to really produce the full enjoyment of the triune God, that even our whole being will be transfigured into the likeness of his body. Francis, he mentioned something here I'd like to pick up for a moment in our fellowship, and that is why there was the need for the Lord Jesus to experience this transfiguration before his disciples, because, of course, he was the perfect God-man already, and so in a sense there was no transformation or transfiguration that should have been needed. But yet it was part of his earthly ministry to bring uh, the disciples up to the mountain and witness this uh, miniature, I believe he called it, of the coming transfiguration. Why did the Lord Jesus have to go through such a process? This is much the same as why he went through baptism by John the Baptist, Uh because he took upon himself the likeness of the flesh of sin, and therefore he, in baptism, refused to live by his human life. Although he lived in a human life, he lived the divine life in that human life. And his uh, baptism was a denial of living his own human life and to live the life of the Father. Now, in his uh, transfiguration, he's in the form of the old nature, of the old creation. But actually, his transfiguration was to display that he really was God manifested in the flesh. And this transfiguration brings this marvelous display to these three disciples that were taken with him up to the mountain, where he really changed. He became another appearance. And it mentioned even like dazzling light or flashing light. Uh, His countenance was really changed, which was a real transfiguration to show in miniature what he would be like in the resurrection. It seems that this matter of transfiguration, as it's displayed or manifested outwardly, is related to the matter of glory. He referred to, we already read Philippians 3. He also earlier in his speaking there mentioned 2 Corinthians 3, which we're going to come to in this coming portion once again. I thought it'd be good just to uh, read that verse one more time. And again, notice now the connection between the transfiguration or transformation and the matter of glory, which is uh, this dazzling white expression that uh, Luke was describing here. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding and reflecting like a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, and this is very interesting, from glory to glory, even as from the Lord's Spirit. This matter of from glory and to glory gets developed in this coming portion. Very good. You know, old man, we cannot participate in the Jubilee. The entire New Testament age is a jubilee year. We are in the year, yet if we still remain in the old creation, we have nothing to do with the participation in the enjoyment of the jubilee. We began to enjoy the jubilee from the time of the regeneration of our spirit. When we were regenerated in our spirit, we did have a release. And we also had an entry into the enjoyment of God. We started from our spirit, and then 
we begin to be transformed into the same image of the Lord. From one degree of glory to another degree of glory. What is this? This is Jubilee. This is our transformation for Jubilee. And this transformation was fully depicted by the transfiguration of the Lord Jesus on Mount Hermon. Before verse 27 in chapter 9, verses 24, 25, 26 tell us that the Lord charged us to follow him by bearing our own cross and by denying our soul life. To uh, deny our soul life, to uh, bear our cross, to follow the Lord, is just to identify ourselves with his death. And his death was one that crossed out the natural life, crossed out the old creation, that we may enter into the new creation, that we may enter into a transfigured condition. It is here that we participate in the enjoyment of the Jubilee. So there was the need of transfiguration. Then in verse 27, the Lord told us, at that time, a number of them will be brought into that transfiguration. And that transfiguration was considered by the Lord as the kingdom of God. To understand this, you must go back to chapter 4. His transfiguration actually is the appearing of the kingdom of God. Francis, this is an interesting uh, correlation or parallel here. When the transfiguration is accounted in the Gospel of Matthew, it's definitely there related to the kingdom. The transfiguration is the appearance of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. Here in Luke, the same event is correlated with the jubilee. So there's an obvious connection, isn't there, between Mm -hmm. the reality of the kingdom and the reality of this jubilee. Yes, it's very interesting to see these words when you look at Matthew's presentation of the kingdom, and then you see in Luke the presentation of the Jubilee, which uh, Jubilee really is a guideline through the whole book of Luke. And so this transfiguration is the full Jubilee that we're brought into. We will be brought into this full Jubilee. And Jesus' transfiguration there on the mountain was a miniature of that kingdom life. He told these disciples that some of them would not taste death till they saw the kingdom of God. Right. And then he was transfigured before them, and that was their seeing the kingdom of God. So that was his purpose, his promise, that they would not taste death till they did see that, and this is the seeing of that. This is the kingdom, this is the resurrection, and this is the jubilee. So these two things, are uh, the jubilee and the kingdom, are very much related, almost like the two sides of a coin. Uh, the kingdom emphasizes the ruling and reigning of the Lord within the disciples, forming a kind of kingdom jurisdictionally. The jubilee is on our side, our full release from the captivity of sin and the full return of the enjoyment of God as our portion. So uh, really, two sides of the same thing, aren't they? That's right. 
Well, now we have the Lord uh, has proclaimed, declared the Jubilee. He has applied it to the multitudes. And we had the great example the other day of the feeding of the 5,000 as an application. And now here it's even manifest. The Jubilee is manifested in his transfiguration. But the problem remains that his disciples really not touching Mm. uh, or living in the reality of this. And now as we look at the balance of chapter 9, and we'll see a number of small events, uh, little stories But collectively, they very graphically illustrate this matter, that the disciples were fully occupied in their natural life Mm -hmm. and were really not entering into the Jubilee whatsoever. Uh, We're going to see uh, the story coming up now of a demon-possessed person and the disciples, even though they had been committed with the Lord's authority, unable to deal with this particular demon. And that's followed by a a very silly argument between the disciples as to who will be the greatest in the kingdom. And then the Lord speaks this word to them. In verses 43 and 44, I want to draw attention to that as we go to Witness Lee. And all were astounded at the majesty of God, and while all were marveling at all the things which he did, he said to his disciples, Put these words into your ears, for the Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. Hmm. And, of course, the disciples had no comprehension here of what he was talking about at all. But again, the collective or the aggregate message of these stories, how they're combined in this chapter is very significant. Let's go back to Witness Lee. In this portion of the word, Jubilee was only with that one man, Jesus. But Jubilee was not there with so many disciples. Why? Because they were still in the old creation. They still lived in the natural life. As long as you remain in natural life, you lived in old creation, you are true with Jubilee. Jubilee has nothing to do with natural life. So the Lord came in, the Lord cast out the demon. Listen, the demon was cast out. Verse 43 says, And all were astounded at the majesty of God, and while all were marveling, the Lord Jesus said to his disciples, put these words into your ears, for the Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of man. But they did not understand the saying. The Lord indicated that he was going to die, and they also have to die. Without my dad, there would be no jubilee, and without your dad, with me, there would be no participation in the jubilee. They had no year to hear this word. Then what? They reasoned, who is going to be great? John and James, they took the lead to ask to be great. Then John answered and said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we forbade him. <laughs> because he does not follow with us. Whatever the Lord said to them, was a playing of the music to the cow. The cow just couldn't understand the music. This all shows that they were still so natural, so much in the old creation. Surely to them, there was no jubilee. Jubilee was there. But they didn't have the qualification to participate in the enjoyment of the Jubilee. Jubilee could only be carried out by Christ's death. 
and Jubilee can only be our enjoyment by our identification which Christ did. He died and we need to die with him. He died for the accomplishment of the Jubilee and we need to die with him that we may participate in the enjoyment of the Jubilee. This book has never been so clear to me as it is now. Because I didn't pick up the view of the Jubilee. This view becomes the key to interpret all the following chapters. Well, Francis, if we follow this and follow his ministry here, it's really marvelous how this opens this chapter up because we have the Lord Jesus in all of these events fully demonstrating one that is completely in the reality of the Jubilee. And yet if we really have eyes to see the disciples and how they were carrying on, it's very evident they were not at all in the reality of the Jubilee. Yet he's pointing them to the way, isn't he, as he is pointing us to how to make this transfer into the Jubilee. Yeah, I like what uh, Brother Lee said earlier. Your regeneration is the beginning of the Jubilee. Yes. But that's just uh, the beginning, and the old creation is still very much with us. So the, the result is, if we're living in the old creation, the Jubilee is not of any real value to us, because we have to have this kind of uh, dealing that he brings out here, that he's going to go to the cross. Mm-hmm. And even Moses and Elijah spoke of this when they appeared there on the mountain. They talked about his departure that he would accomplish at Jerusalem. That means his crucifixion. Right. And then the Lord Jesus refers to this again when they've come down from the mountain, and there's this case of the demon-possessed boy and the father's pleading that uh, he wants the boy delivered, but the disciples couldn't do it. And uh, then the disciples want to know, why couldn't we do it? They're not in the reality of the Jubilee. That's the reason they couldn't do it. They're not in the resurrection. That's right. But the Lord Jesus is. He's fully in the Jubilee. And this one man, Jesus, is fully the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he's been owned as such, and he has been displayed as such. And he is virtually in the resurrection, that is, in the Jubilee, free from every uh, limitation. But the disciples certainly haven't experienced this. And this really speaks to us. How much of this jubilee do we experience? Right. It's not just we got happy that we got saved and we're forgiven of our sins. But if that's all we know, we don't really know this jubilee and we really don't know the kingdom of God. We just know we got forgiven. Thank the Lord I'm not going to go to the lake of fire. But we need to have a realization that this jubilee is for us. And it's a matter of the Lord perfecting in us all that he has accomplished by his death. And that the disciples, including us, are going to have to go through this death to our soul life in order for us to be the real participants in this jubilee. So when he says to us, as he said to the disciples, take up your cross daily and follow me, we need to have another kind of view of that. Rather than that being the announcement that, oh, woe is me, my life is going to be full of suffering and, uh, and this and that. Really, it's pointing us to the entrance into this jubilee for ourselves, isn't it? That's right. 
Oh, it's the promise of our full salvation. We've seen now uh, the regeneration of our spirit, the transforming of our soul, and the coming transfiguration of our bodies. Amen. Uh, God's full salvation is really our full entrance into the Jubilee. Glorious. How glorious. We need to get our eyes off of the suffering and realize the goal. Francis, um, very enjoyable uh, fellowship today and a marvelous portion that we had a chance to share with uh, our brother, wasn't it? Yes, it certainly was. What a, a light to receive. Well, we hope you enjoyed it as well. We'd like to hear from you. Uh, our toll-free number, one eight 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 life study That's 888-543-3788. For Francis Ball, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. Throughout the Bible, God is portrayed as food for man to eat and life for man to enjoy. In the Tree of Life, Witness Lee presents a view of God's heart that is little understood and seldom experienced by Christians today, revealing that it is God's desire that we receive Christ, experience Christ, and enjoy Christ as our moment-by-moment supply. The Tree of Life from Living Stream Ministry is available at Christian bookstores everywhere. Or you can order by calling 1-888-543-3788.